all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, the show all about finding and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. I'm Dr. Debbie Miner, Professor and Vice Chair of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and I'm thrilled today to have as our special guest, Dr. John McVeigh, and we're going to be talking about our eyes as we come in from this blistering sun. So please join us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a call. Any questions that you may have, any issues, comments, etc., by dialing one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send us an email to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit from MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with you right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The U.S. Supreme Court is siding with abortion rights advocates in striking down a Texas law that critics say was designed to limit women's access to abortion. The justices ruled 5-3. to three. The dissenting votes were from Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Samuel Alito, and Justice Clarence Thomas. The majority ruled that the 2013 Texas law placed an undue burden on women. Under the law, doctors who perform abortions were required to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals. Clinics were also required to meet the standards practiced in hospitals for outpatient surgery. Texas argued that the law protected women's health. In the last three years, a number of facilities to provide abortions in the nation's second most populous state fell from 41 to 19. The Supreme Court has also ruled domestic abusers convicted of misdemeanors can be barred from owning weapons. NPR's Carrie Johnson reports on the 6-2 decision. The majority ruling by Justice Elena Kagan concludes misdemeanor assault convictions for domestic violence do trigger a federal firearms ban. The high court considered the cases of two men from Maine who had pleaded guilty for slapping or shoving their romantic partners and who later were found to have possessed weapons. The key issue in the case is whether those earlier convictions for reckless conduct should have barred them from owning the firearms. 34 states in the District of Columbia have such laws on the books, and if the Supreme Court had ruled the other way, it could have gutted the federal weapons ban for domestic abusers. Justices Clarence Thomas and Sonia Sotomayor dissented, arguing the majority definition of use of force is far too broad. Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. Wall Street's extending its losses from freefall on Friday following the United Kingdom's decision to exit the European Union. At last check, the Dow was down 251 points, more than 1% at 17,149. British Prime Minister David Cameron says the U.K. will not trigger formal EU exit talks just yet. He says there will be no immediate changes for EU citizens living in the U.K. In Berlin, NPR Soraya Sarhadi Nelson says a global market turmoil over Brexit will be at the heart of talks this hour held by German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Merkel and her counterparts plan to talk about how to deal with the UK over its decision to leave and encountering Europe's growing nationalist backlash against the EU. The idea is to come up with a blueprint for the EU summit in Brussels that begins tomorrow. 
The German Chancellor and French President François Hollande are reported to have reached an agreement on Sunday during a half-hour phone call regarding that blueprint. But the agreement may be lacking in substance, given their past disagreements over reforms and integration within the EU. Nor has Merkel been willing to alienate London with deadlines and punitive measures, while Hollande has joined other European leaders in calling for an immediate start to separation talks. This is NPR News. In their first appearance together during this presidential campaign, the presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton and Senator Elizabeth Warren are rallying voters in Ohio. Many Bernie Sanders supporters who had strongly opposed Clinton like what they hear from Warren, who, like Sanders, has championed policies to take more powers out of the hands of corporate America and into those of average consumers. Donald Trump, meanwhile, may be taking a page out of Sanders' book. Trump is seeking to convince millions of Americans to donate small amounts to his campaign. Trump has raised $3 million online after sending one email last week requesting donations and promising to chip in as well. Finding Dory stays afloat at theaters for a second straight weekend. NPR's Trina Williams reports the animated sequel earned an estimated $73.2 million, more than four new wide releases combined. It was a tough weekend for newcomers to the box office as they just couldn't drown out Dory's popularity with moviegoers. Hi, I'm Dory. Where are your parents? The forgetful Dory in search of her family encounters danger along the way. Does this mean we have to say goodbye to Dory? She also makes some new friends. Independence Day Resurgence opens in second place, with ticket sales falling short of its 1996 predecessor. Central Intelligence drops to third place, while The Shallows and Free State of Jones debut at number four and five. Trina Williams, NPR News. All major market indices are down 1.4% to 2.2%. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from the financial services firm of Raymond James, offering personalized wealth management advice and banking and capital markets expertise, all with a commitment to putting clients' financial well-being first. Learn more at RaymondJames.com. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. And I'm Debbie Miner. I'm thrilled today to be here with Dr. John McVeigh and Afton Cato. So Afton is our pharmacy expert, and sad to say this is her last week with us. 
<laughs> so she's done a great job helping us prepare agendas and, and offering her input and comments to each show. So we're really going to miss her. So welcome, Dr. McVeigh. I couldn't help but think about you all weekend because I was outside in the sun, and you probably were too, a little bit. And as my eyes felt like they were just getting burned, I thought, oh, I really should have some sunglasses on. I really should. So welcome. We appreciate you being with us today. So tell us a little bit about your background and your interests. And I know you like golf. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you were out in the sun. Right, right. Thank you, Debbie. Well, I... As, as most people know, ophthalmologists are medical doctors, so you you do the four years of college, four years of medical school, and typically four years of residency, and I did an extra year in pediatric ophthalmology and an extra year in something called oculoplastic surgery, but I still do a fair amount of general ophthalmology, so I, I see a lot of, lot of things that involve um, lazy eye and crossed eyes and um, poor vision that has to be treated like lazy eye in terms of uh, their, their their glasses needs, and also see lid issues. But what's interesting about what Debbie's talking about in general is the sunlight is incredibly bright, as anybody knows when they look up into it without sunglasses, even with sunglasses, it's it's very bright. And Without sunglasses, for sure, the sun can be very damaging to the the eye, especially if you're unaware, even during an eclipse-type type situation. You can literally uh, burn the back of your eye and create a blind spot that's permanent. Oh, goodness. Yeah, you would never think that. Right, and, in gla- and, and sunglasses can help prevent that sort of thing, but sunglasses are not made to allow you just to simply stare at the yeah. sun just as you will. They're they're made to, to make things better. The sun can literally burn your eyes in a sense, just like um, if you've watched somebody weld, it can it can cause the outer layer of the eye to be <clears throat> uh, very sensitive and we'll see these people come in that didn't have on safety glasses when they were welding and their 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 eyes are incredibly uncomfortable and that's because they burn the outer layer of their eye. Well, is that because of the is that because of the light like the sun or is that because of the heat? No, it's it's because of the light. It's the oh. wavelengths that are involved. Oh, okay. And also this happens to be an issue with people who snow ski a lot mm-hmm. or oh, these mountain yeah. climbers that go up into the high altitudes when the sun is reflecting off of the snow. Oh yeah, it can never, be equally as, it, can, it can be very damaging. Now it's not going to be as intense, but if it's prolonged, it certainly can be a very big issue. Oh my goodness, I never would have thought that. I would have thought I would have thought that it was the heat, the heat like coming up when you're talking about welding that it was the heat that burned your eyes. You literally can be across the room and get the same effects. Oh goodness. Oh. Well, well, that's very interesting. Now, if you think about it, now, I want to go back for one other thing you said. You said um, you work with lid problems. So is that mainly like with adults or with kids? Well, the lid problems as they pertain to children, they're, they can be born with an eye, eyelid or eyelids that are both droopy. They mm-hmm. somewhat have a um, uh, a defect in the, the muscle development of the eyelids, and they can't completely open them. And 
also they can't completely close them because the muscle didn't form and it's it's somewhat like scar tissue rather than muscle is there mm -hmm. occasionally a child will have an eyelid that turns in or an eyelid that turns out but the most common thing you'll see in children is an eyelid that won't open completely and that's a that's a condition called ptosis p-t-o-s-i-s -S. i've never quite figured out why we decided to spell it that way yeah i know did. i always want to say ptosis or something <laughs> like that <laughs> Okay, well, see, when you thought, when you said lids, of course, um, in my age group, when we think lids, I don't think of needing to see an eye doctor. I think of needing to see a plastic surgeon. <laughs> well, it depends on the problem. And, and have a little lift done there. <laughs> and they're certainly well qualified to do certain things of, around the lid. They, they raise the brow, and they, can, and they can take extra skin off and fatty tissues around the lids, and they can tighten lids to some degree. Mostly what... Uh, an oculoplastic surgeon does is if the lid is literally droopy, not just extra skin. And all, that's pretty straightforward and, and falls within our scope of practice, of course. But what we'll see is a lid that's droopy and has to be raised by tightening the muscle. And <clears throat> most of the time, the plastic surgeon doesn't really want to deal with that because if he tightens it too much and it, the eye dries out, they wind up going to the eye doctor anyway, mm -hmm. and it becomes a kind of a catch-22. So most of the time, we will deal with the eyelid height issues. Uh, and also, if somebody has a lid that turns out, uh, the eyes can get dry, they tear, or if they turn in, the lashes rub it against the eye. And those types of things are, are, are situations that, that need to be dealt with, generally by uh, an eyelid plastic surgeon. So it's really not... As much, it's not a cosmetic issue at all. Right. I think that the term plastic <laughs> surgery has been sort of morphed into everybody thinking it's purely cosmetic. Right. And, and the plastic surgeons do a lot of functional types of things in addition to the cosmetic type stuff. In fact, a lot of them, that's primarily what their practice is. And they certainly can do cosmetic stuff uh, along with that. Because if you can fix something that's really broken, uh, it's it's pretty easy to fix things that sort of just need a little something, so to speak. Mm -hmm. mm, that's very interesting. So today we're talking about our eyes and our eyes from kids to as we age. We've already brought some of that in. We're here today with Dr. John McVeigh. So we'd love to hear any of your comments or questions. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Well, let me ask you another question about. Um, our eyes and the sun. Is it the sun exposure that causes cataracts? Well, <clears throat> ex ex extreme sun exposure for, for prolonged periods of time uh, certainly speed up the process. Our eyes naturally age, just like the rest of our bodies. And is that a is that somewhat of a uh, your with like cataracts? Is that a, like a genetic predisposition? Well, it is can there, be. Is there anything that can influence that? It, it can. Radiation mm -hmm. is is a, is a cause of cataracts. Radiation exposure is a cause of cataracts, and the sunlight is somewhat of a, a radiation type thing, and and it is not one of the big culprits in causing cataracts. It certainly. If you were going to get a cataract to say naturally at 75 or 80 years old, you might get it at mid-60s or something. So mm -hmm. it's not going to exacerbate the problem that much. Okay. I just I think about uh, I've spent some time like in Central America, and, and it just seems like so many of the people there, you walk around and they have cataracts. And I didn't know if it was exposure to the sun or exposure to cooking with fire in their homes or, or the fact that, 
they just don't have cataract surgery and have it done. And here, people are more likely to have that done. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of truth in all that. <laughs> uh, it, it, and, and general health certainly plays a factor in, in, in cataract development. Say smoking okay. is a, really exacerbates the problem. And if someone has to be on uh, oral medication like uh, corticosteroids, mm-hmm, prednisone, steroids. cortisone, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, that mm-hmm. will speed things up. And, and that's general, long-term use of steroids, right? Not just yeah, acute. pretty much. Um, but it it definitely has an effect, and <clears throat> general health is a big issue, and trauma is is a pretty common cause of that. And the people that you were seeing in Central America were they older, younger, mid age? Uh, well, I would say older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime. Even in, or middle-aged. I mean, we're middle-aged. That's right. <laughs> we're all going to be lifted until we're 120, right? Uh, it's not that uncommon to see cataracts in, say, a 40-year-old occasionally. Mm-hmm. They may have a, a genetic predisposition uh, or have had some sort of exposure. Uh, and children can be born with cataracts as well. Interesting. I've, I don't think I've ever heard of cataracts in a child. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. We've got a couple of callers on the line. Let's go. Let's go first to Melinda in Mobile. Good morning, Melinda. Good morning. Is it cool in my, Is it cool in Mobile? It's getting a little bit nicer. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to get some rain, so that's a blessing. And we are too. Hopefully. I have a question about macular degeneration. I was uh, diagnosed two years ago. My mother had this also, and she lost her vision uh, within about three weeks, I guess you could say, or four weeks, and when she was 80. Um, I've just turned 70, and I'm taking the vitamins that are recommended, and that's about all. I, I uh, also uh, keep careful uh, watch on the situation if I, as much as you can. Can you comment about that, and I'll ring off and listen. Thank you. Oh, that's a great question, because macular degeneration is actually very common, isn't it? It, it's it's um, well publicized. It, okay. it is common. It's more common, and and but like a lot of things with this news cycle, we we have unique exposure to information that we didn't have otherwise. That's true. I wish I say we're much more aware aware of it. Right, and it, it I think it affects one to two, maybe three percent of the population. Oh goodness. And, I, would, and I would have said much, much higher prevalence. I thought than that, that same question. In fact, <laughs> I, I went by and asked, talked to one of my retina specialist friends the other day. And I said, what's the general rule? He said, it's about one to 2%. Oh goodness. And so that I, makes me I, feel I said, a little bit better. Well, that's why I fudged on 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, general health mm-hmm. is a big, big issue. Cardiovascular disease is a big issue. If you, you know, diabetes is a big issue. The vitamins are great. <clears throat> Sunglasses are helpful. Um, and if you if you do spend a lot of time out in the sun, if if you're not out in the sun a whole lot, it's not that's not going to be as big of a factor. But that certainly is an issue. Uh, but general nutrition and certainly a genetic predisposition is always a factor, um, and it, it may or may not be a factor in, in your case. Um, if if you are taking the vitamins and you're taking the omega threes and no, those sorts of things, I think if you pay attention to your blood pressure and your general health things that, that that's the commonsensical approach because you think about the issue if it's a blood vessel issue by and large not completely but a lot large part of it is and and those are the smallest blood vessels in the body and any narrowing of those blood vessels reduces blood flow 
and the eye is very sensitive. It has the highest blood flow of any part of the body in terms of its size. And <clears throat> not only does it bring nutrition in, it also cools the eye by, by the blood coming through there at a very rapid rate. And so if you have any reduction in the, in the velocity or, or the speed of the blood cells going through those blood vessels, you know, you're, you're losing a little bit of nutrition. You're losing maybe a, a smidge of um, temperature you're letting it, letting it get a little hotter than it, than you would like it to. So that's why sunglasses do play a role. They, they do reduce the, the heat on the eye. Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful analogy, though. Goodness. So it's like looking in. I always thought, because I, I was glad you brought up high blood pressure, because, of course, that's the area I work in. And uh, Afton and I were just talking earlier this morning about how you tell the difference between a hypertensive urgency and an emergency. And one of the windows into distinguishing that is the eyes. Correct. The eyes. Absolutely. Uh, if someone has a hypertensive crisis, so to speak, the, the, when the blood pressure um, rises very rapidly, and this happens sometimes in, in pregnancy, uh, it also can happen to somebody with cardiovascular disease that has a hypertensive crisis. You'll see uh, hemorrhages in the back of the eye and, and edema that's very characteristic of that, and that is a real signal to something needs to be done very rapidly. Interesting. So, Melinda, does that answer your question? Yes, that's terrific. Thank you thank so much. You. Well, thank You're you welcome. for calling. I hope you have a good day. Well, let's thank go you. to uh, David on the line. David in Oxford. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I've been so ever since I was a kid for 37 years. And one of the things that uh, is stressed is to get an eye appointment checked every year. Uh, and that's important because it's easy as a type 1 to forget that. And it's important because if they notice any kind of uh, problems, they can deal with it a lot more easily if you get the annual exam versus not. And I'll add also that, and if you want to add some extra comments, that'd be great But uh, as to the mechanics of that. But uh, I'll also add that keeping a, a, the lowest kind of overall blood sugar that you can as possible will help prevent complications from the eye as well as other complications. I agree with everything you said, and and <clears throat> as as you know, diabetes affects blood vessels, and a common thing that you will see when somebody has what they call diabetic retinopathy is hemorrhages in the back of the eye from what, what they call microaneurysms, which are little weak weak areas in blood vessels that will rupture and uh, can be of very little significance or very big significance. And like you said, keeping your blood sugar under control is is critical also your general health uh keeping your weight under control therefore you keep your blood pressure under better control uh, eating properly with the uh, proper uh, omega-3s and that sort of thing are, are critical uh, there's a sort of an old adage in 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 ophthalmology about diabe diabetics is that 25 percent have very little if any side effects 25 percent have mild effects, 25% have some significant effects, but they don't go blind, and then 25% can have devastating effects in even blindness. And I, my suspicion is that that last 25%, some of them are just have a bad form of diabetes, but 
most of those probably haven't really taken good care of themselves and it's it's it, you'd really have to be vigilant in in your diabetes it has to kind of run your life and you really need to keep your blood sugar under excellent control and and eat properly those are great points david Should and we I appreciate you my... bringing that up okay can i add something to that of course well? um i feel that eating a low carbohydrate diet has really helped my hemoglobin a1c it's now i'm not a diabetic except for the fact that i have to inject insulin every day five times a day my blood sugars are the same as a non-diabetic and my ophthalmologist told me when i went last december that that's the best prevention that you can have is to have a non-diabetic and i found that eating low carbohydrate diet mostly vegetables and protein has really helped in in controlling it and i would say that's probably the same for both type 2s and type 1 but i'm a type 1 sure I think that's exactly right. I don't think anybody would argue one iota uh, that point. I because think it's the sugar that binds to the binds to every tissue of the body. That's the problem. I think it's not sure. just the hemoglobin; it binds to every body part of it, and that's what eventually clogs up the arteries or causes the damage that you were describing earlier. I guess correct. Well, Dr. McVeigh gave a great example of like 25% and 25% and 25%. And I think you brought up some great points, David, because uh, sometimes it's confusing, but, you know, type 1 and type 2 are very, very different. And you are the perfect example. Like you said, you're not diabetic except for the fact that you have to have insulin, which just basically means that you're a type 1. And a type 2, a lot of times, of course, that is more so associated with all of those things that we don't do, the things that you said you do do, but the things that we, that we don't do, they're much more associated with lifestyle. And even sad to say, because it the ravages of that go on for years before someone is really diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So a lot of times people with type 2 diabetes already have eye damage. I think that percent, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. McVeigh, but it's like 17% of people with type 2 diabetes show up already with retinopathy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, with type 1, if you're examined immediately and you're more so no immediately, then and then you do everything like David says, you're not going to have that happen. Yeah, and the good news is <clears throat> from the time of diagnosis to the time of diabetic changes that you can visualize in the back of the eye it's quite a few years and it's at least 10 years if not 15 mm -hmm. so that that is there's some level of comfort and, and like david said people get comfortable and and don't continue to to be vigilant in having their exams and having their hemoglobin a1c and checking their sugars those sorts of things which in common sense common sense would tell you that everybody does that don't they well, they really don't. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, thank you for calling, David. Those are wonderful points that you brought up. And uh, I know we need to take a break. I'm going to make a comment, if I can remember, about the kidneys and the eyes, too. Uh, just a little example I use frequently when talking to patients when we get back. But we'd love to hear from you. Give us any call with your ideas or questions or comments. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We're here today with Dr. John McVeigh, and we're talking about our eyes. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with you right after this break.
Support for MPB comes from Kyle Wynn & Associates, an elder law firm with offices in Ridgeland, Diamond Head, and Hernando, assisting clients throughout the state with estate planning, including trusts, avoidance of probate, and nursing home asset protection. Details at kyle-wynn.com. Hello, Mississippi. Dr. Rick here to let you know it's time to replace that old car tag and show your support for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. MPB is pleased to announce that you have been approved for your own personalized MPB car tag. This is just another way you can help us continue educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. Head on over to mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order your MPB tag today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Debbie Miner, and I'm here today with Afton Cato and Dr. John McVeigh. We're talking about our eyes. Perfect time to talk about our eyes with this, what, 100-degree weather and bright, bright, bright sunshine. Uh, Dr. McVeigh, I actually had a question for you. I um, Well, I prefer expensive sunglasses, so I don't buy them very often. But uh, Is that because you think they're cute and they look good, or are you well, just your eyes? Yeah, I've kept, <laughs> um, I have a blast pair I've kept for like four years, so I don't, it's not like I buy them every year. But they always try to get me to, they always try to talk me into polarized, but it's an extra $100. So I was just wondering what the benefits of polarized are for your eyes. And do they have to be expensive? I think my polarized sunglasses I got free, or, or I, I think they were polarized. It said on the little tag they were polarized and UV, whatever. Right. Uh, polarized sunglasses aren't always necessarily completely. Um, th- that doesn't mean they automatically have UV protection. The UV protection is on top of the polarized polarization, I guess you could say. The polarized sunglasses are constructed in such a way that they tend to neutralize. Um, light waves as they, a lot of times will bounce off, say, water. The fishermen like polarized, polarized sunglasses because the, the the reflection off the water is neutralized large in part because they block out uh, the light rays that are going kind of erratically. And, and, and nothing's perfect, but that's probably the best we can do. And But the key is the, the UV protection. And there's a lot about the UV protection that most sunglasses that you can buy now Five dollars and up. If they've got, if they've, they, if they have written on there, hundred percent UV protection. Most of the time they are. It's apparently it's not very expensive to put on there, um, and the color really doesn't make that much difference. And some people prefer a darker lens as opposed to a lighter lens. The darker lens actually allows your pupil to dilate a little bit. So in theory, it would might let more light in, even though it keeps seems to make things mm-hmm. darker as opposed to, say, the amber lens or the mm-hmm. yellow lens that you see. Even though it, it does clear things up, things aren't as darkened. And, and, and so, But it, it allows your pupil to constrict. 
And so it, in theory, lets less light, you know, kind of aberrant light or the oh stray light rays in. And so they, they, they're all different ways. And, and what, what are, if you're a fisherman, you like one type. If you're just wearing them for style and whatnot, <laughs> uh, another type. And you can kind of pick which one you like. And, but then, then again, if you're blue-eyed, you're, you're likely to be a little bit more light sensitive, so you might like a darker, darker shade. But they're all going to probably have pretty good UV protection. Well, I'm just okay. the opposite. You know what kind I like? Those that are free. <laughs> <laughs> and I think my favorite pair are uh, the ones they give you when you sign up for the, uh, and, and of course, hopefully you participate in the uh, in the blues. Right. <laughs> marathon, half marathon run here, and they give you those blues looking. And I and bet said, they have 100% it, UV oh, protection. Oh, it said that on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what and, I wear. And they're, yeah. they're um, it's like I say, it's not expensive and, and it, it's, it, it works pretty well. Yeah, the one, if I, as long as I can keep up with them a little bit. <laughs> so I can't put him mean to that. Well, we've got a couple of callers on the line. Let's go to Cammie in Oxford. Thank you for holding. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What question do you have or yes, comment? Um, I have a four-month-old little boy. Um, we just oh, went okay. to a pediatric uh, um, ophthalmologist who was referred by his pediatrician and it, um, she concludes that he, at four months, has smaller optic nerves than um, she would expect. So my question is, um, is there room for them to grow? And if there is, I mean, is it like a permanent, he's not going to be able to see or anything? Or what's the, I guess, what can happen? Okay. Now, <clears throat> why did you take your four-month-old to the doctor? Uh, well, it was his um, routine checkup. checkup? Yes, it was his routine checkup. It was his four month shots, and okay. his pediatrician noticed that um, he had, he wasn't just looking at the light that um, fallen. He would kind of look at it and then like wander off. Were his, do his eyes jump? Do they jump? Yeah, yeah they do, but it's gotten better. Um, it's not, I mean, it looks like he's actually looking at things better than what he was a few weeks ago. Right. Um, and when you went to your pediatric ophthalmologist, Mm -hmm. did they, what, what was the name they gave? Did they give the optic nerves a name, so to speak, or they just say they were a little bit smaller and we're going to watch this? They, they just said that they were a little smaller and they were going to watch Um, and that they would run some tests when he was a little older, and she still considered him a newborn at four months. So I don't know if if they should be that size at four months or a bigger size, and if it is is normal for four-month-olds to have smaller optic nerves. Not necessarily. The the back of the eye is is, um, about 60% of its permanent size at birth. And it, it's going to grow in a, it's going, the eye's going to become longer from the front of the eye back. The front half of the eye or the front, say 25% of the eye where the pupil and the iris and the cornea and the lens are all are, are generally doesn't grow as much as the back of the eye. But as a rule, the nerve does not get larger with time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people do have smaller nerves than others, and some people have very large nerves sometimes. And and that can not necessarily mean they're more normal or less normal. It just mm-hmm. means that they're smaller. 
if you, like you've got a small foot or a small hand that works fine, you just have that. So without looking at it, I certainly can't make that uh, diagnosis. And, Absolutely. And, and, and if, and if you're, if your uh, pediatric ophthalmologist did not name it and just said mm-hmm. that it looked a little small, uh, that's that means that they certainly feel like the nerves have a lots lots of normal tissue, so to speak, okay. and it's just something they're going to watch. Um, in terms of your child looking at things, does he spontaneously smile at you and that sort of thing when you smile at him? Yes, and okay, he will good. look at you, and then he kind of, his eyes kind of wander off, but he comes back, um, and he pulls at necklaces and hair and everything. Right, so, so you don't see the eyes rapidly moving side to side? No. Just jiggling like, like somebody would have a tremor of their eyes, so to speak? Not necessarily. Very, that's that's a good sign. Okay. Okay, uh, and uh, and I'm sure they checked your child for glasses, they did not. Well, I bet, well, well, what they can do is they can hold uh-huh. lenses. They probably held lenses up in front of the eyes and mm-hmm. t- took a little light and did. I, I, I would suspect they did that. that yes, yes, uh, they did do that. D- didn't think that they had a particularly unusual prescription. Well, good. Um, well, I've just, I just make sure you go to your follow-ups, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're in good hands if they're a pediatric ophthalmologist. So they, are they up in North Mississippi or, or Memphis or something like that? Yes, sir, they are. Good. Well, you'll be in good hands. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You bet. Thank All you right. for calling, Cammie, right. and we wish you and your son the very, very best. Thank you. Well, let's go go to Joy and Renona. Is that correct? Hello. Good morning, Joy. It's Doris, oh, Doris at oh, Winona. Oh, okay. Doris in Winona. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering where Renona was. <laughs> I thought, well, is that part of Mississippi or not? <laughs> there are little towns you never heard of. Oh, well, so. there are. Every week we find more. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. I am 82, and I recently had a freakish fall. My face hit a tree root, and I lost one eye. They had to remove the eye. And I'm concerned, and we had to do reconstructive surgery for the whole side of the face. But I'm worried now about the other. I'm not worried. They just told me to protect the other eye. And they asked that I take an eye vitamin. I'm taking over-the-counter Occuvite, but the side effects are so scary. Uh, Are they safe? Yeah. By and large, they're going to be safe. the disclaimers on all medications are endless. I, I know. I, I, I can remember every medicine I think I've looked up in the last 10 years has said may cause blurry vision. Oh, yes. Uh, Nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, blurry vision. Yeah. Yes. Headache. Yes, headache. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, your best advice is, is certainly I would wear something of a protective lens that's at least polycarbonate over I your... Oh yeah, over your over your other eye, and just use common sense. Um, I can't tell you how to behave, but <laughs> but uh, don't do things. I that, misbehaving when it happens. Right, you just tripped over a root. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I know it's was it your dominant eye or your non-dominant eye that I don't know that it was dominant. It was my right eye. Are you right-handed? I'm right-handed. Now, well, some people can use e- either eye equally, just like some people are left-handed or right-handed equally. Okay. Uh, but some people, if they if 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 it's their dominant eye they lost, then it's a harder adjustment. Have you adjusted pretty well to just using one eye? 
Pretty well. Yes, good. I can drive. I drive and do well. Well, good. I even drive in Jackson, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're doing better than a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think, don't know how safe the other people are. Yeah. Right. But I think you can feel good about the Occupied. I mean, they're, they've been around a very long time, and there's not been a lot of publicity about them. And I think the fact that they, they were like, I think, the first eye vitamin that came out. And okay. I think they have all the, the things that, that you um, would need okay. based on the studies that, that have been done concerning uh, macular, de- macular degeneration, which is the main reason that, that uh, people take them. Well, I'm sure that that's happening to me at 82 or 83, almost 83, as well as losing the other eye. So I wanted to be sure to, to do what was good, but I didn't sure. want to do something to injure to lose the sight in the other one. Well, it's unlikely you'll lose vision from taking the vitamins. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That is good. <laughs> Just don't don't fall again. Be careful. Oh, I'll, I'll right. try to be careful. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Well, really, don't fall again. Be careful with that. You sure don't want to have a broken hip or anything to deal with that with one eye. I've already had that. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> oh, goodness, Doris. So, Afton, what's in, what's in those Occuvite? What, what's in that? Vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, copper, omega-3 fatty acids. How do you say it? Lute- Lutein. Lutein. And yeah. then zeaxanthine. Okay, so basically, so basically, some of the um, that's for the fifty plus omega threes, some of the fat soluble vitamins and amino acids. So yeah, yeah, that sounds fine. So probably a lot of those warnings on there have to do with like too if you took too much and too much of the fat soluble mm-hmm. vitamins, which that would be very hard to do, very hard to do. So let's go to Memphis. Good morning. Oh dear, did I? Good, good. I what did I hear? Good morning. <laughs> did I hit the right one? Cornish in Memphis, good morning. Yes. Good How morning. are you? I have, I'm doing terrible, uh, but uh, depending on the answer that I hear, um, I may feel better. Oh, I hope so. Um, I have two questions. One, what is Fuchs dystrophy? Okay. Just a second. And is there a cure for it? Two. What is Oogs, U-G-H-S, syndrome? And does it really exist? And if it does, is there a cure for it? Right now I'm standing by for uh, another surgery to remove a lens, and I'm told I'm going to have to wait four months. They're going to close it up after they take out this lens that was put in there uh, August 3rd last uh, year and uh, walk around, I guess, looking like Moshi Diane uh, for four months, and then they will reopen and... um, and um, put the new lens in. Now, they have since administered two direct shots in, in, in the eye, and uh, the two things that have come up is, one, I had Fuchs dystrophy, which nobody told me before the surgery last August, and now I'm told there is this matter of oogs. So can you please explain <clears throat> what okay. and the cure, and I'll hang up and listen to you. Please. Okay, let, we'll start with Fuchs dystrophy. That is what's called a corneal dystrophy, the lining on the inside of the cornea, which is the clear surface that covers the eye, has a has a layer of cells that that keeps the cornea a certain thickness. So it brings in nutrition, lets out nutrition, brings in nutrition, lets out nutrition. And most people don't have any problems with it. It's a genetic thing. I, you probably had a family member with it somewhere along the way. And what happens is the cells on the back surface of the cornea 
are wasting away very slowly. And you can even see someone in their 30s or 40s that's having the very, 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 very earliest signs of it, but it doesn't affect their vision. And as you get older, you lose more and more cells, and the cornea thickens up, and it causes causes blurry vision. And it's generally in both eyes, and it's very symmetrical. Now, this day and time, that can be treated with a corneal transplant such that you transplant the endothelial cells now, which is a dramatic improvement over a what's called a full thickness corneal transplant. In this type of transplant, you take at, you you take off the old cells and put new ones on it. It's I'm, I'm simplifying it, but and most of those people do extremely well with that. And it's a outpatient type procedure, and it's being done fairly routinely now in most states in most larger cities with by corneal surgeons and it has good results okay let's go to the UGH syndrome UGH that stands for uveitis glaucoma and hyphema now I know people aren't don't know those words but mo- that that's an old term that when we were when cataract surgery was being done in years past, before the the, the ultra modern cataract surgery, <clears throat> people were putting lenses in what's called the anterior anterior chamber, which is in front of the iris, rather than behind the iris, and people would get constant rubbing of the intraocular lens against the iris, and it would cause inflammation, and that would lead to glaucoma, or even bleeding in the front of the eye, which is the hyphema. Now, occasionally, somebody could have had surgery, and maybe things didn't go the way everybody wanted them to, and you wind up with this syndrome, even with the lens behind the iris. And it sounds like you've got a prudent surgeon who is wants to take the old lens out, let the eye settle down. It sounds like you've had some uh, injections of either steroids or uh, Avastin, which is a uh, what's called an anti-VEGF inhibitor, and to try to calm the eye down, let it heal, and then perhaps go in and put a new lens in, whether it be by a retina surgeon who sews the lenses in or an ophthalmologist who's very experienced in that type of thing who can sew it in, and that would be reasonable. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that you only have the the UGG syndrome in one eye and not both eyes. So that's sort of the, the answer to that. And, and most of these situations can be cleared up. It's going to take some time and patience. So it sounds like he should be optimistic and feel better. I would think so. Okay, good. Mm, well, I've learned something. I learned a lot from that. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that was the way that was done or anything. That's very, very interesting. Let's well. I hope you do better, Cornish, and thank you for calling today. And I hope that is good news for you. Let's go to our next caller. Good morning, Mikey and Mobile. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Bless his heart, man. Oh, I, mean, I know. You know, for real. I know. I mean, my, my my questions are so simple that they're probably ridiculous in contrast. Uh, but it was so. Thank you so much for helping us with that thorough explanation of what was happening. Yeah, Doctor McVeigh did a great job explaining that. I, I had not even thought about the way that was done before. 
And as I say, my questions are so simple as to probably be ridiculous, but I'm going to ask them anyway, of course, you know. Um, okay, first of all, is something better than nothing? Um, uh, is it possible? I'm going to throw them out here all at once and then let y'all answer. Um, uh, uh, if, it's, if something is better than nothing, in, including even the least expensive of the uh, safety glasses uh, and uh is it possible to switch out during different times of day for the magnifier sunglasses that have recently come out um, in, in the less expensive sorts of things? And my final question, which is the one you're really going to enjoy, is it different for dogs? Thank oh, you. <laughs> okay, something is always better than nothing in front of the eye. I would, I, my guess is that anything that can blunt the the the, the blow, but. If you have something that's very fragile in front of the eye and something hits it again, that can probably be worse because it could shatter and possibly those sharp edges might be worse than, say, a, a blunt blow, say, from a ball uh, that, 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 would, that, that might be, you know, might hit you or, or stick or something like that. Most plastic lenses are pretty tough. The polycarbonate lenses are the, are the lenses that are in safety glasses by and large, and and the old crown glass lenses are, are, are used as a safety glass, and a lot of re- reason is because they are, they're, they're not brittle, long as they're not for people who, are, have, who require extremely thin lenses because they're very nearsighted, but they don't scratch at all, or, or they're the most scratch resistance you can get, but they're very heavy. Uh, so in, in, by and large, something is, is better than nothing, but nothing is a, a panacea. Um, and what was the second question? Uh, oh, the dogs! Well, yeah, the, I'm not going to forget about. I'm not going to forget about uh, you, that. <laughs> so f- I haven't had to treat a or, or seen a dog treated uh, with glasses yet. Uh, I know they do have cataracts, <laughs> and those when they remove the lenses, they don't they don't always put a lens in. I think some people are putting lenses in in dogs, but I don't know how routine that is. But I don't I don't know how big a deal it is. Um, for a dog, if he doesn't see perfect perfectly well, because by and large, most of the time, a dog is very old at that stage of the game, and fetching sticks and balls and things is not is 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 something they're going to be doing. So, I, and I've never seen a dog in glasses, so I really can't speak to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, that that's a good commentary, though. But yeah, and yeah, there are lots of issues with dogs. I hear our music, which is Jay reminded me we need to take another quick break. So today we've been talking with Dr. John McVeigh from Jackson Eye Associates, and we've got lots more things to discuss. Uh, we'll return after this quick break. Give us a call at one eight seven seven. That's MPB Ring. I got tongue tied there. Or one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email at healthy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and we'll be back right after this break. It's been an unpredictable election year, and November is still months away. You do not have to take time to keep up with every little twist and turn. You just have to keep up with us. 
Listen every day. Daily at 4 on NPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, credit counselor Chris Burford and Assistant Professor of Finance Nancy Lauter-Janderson are ready to answer your questions about credit, investing, or saving for retirement. Or call in to share your success stories of navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to healthy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. This is Debbie Miner, and I'm here today with Dr. John McVeigh from Jackson Eye Associates and Afton Cato. And we've had lots of interesting callers. And uh, Afton, I don't even think we've gotten to our agenda at all today. (laughs) So we'll have to have Dr. McVeigh back again to get to the agenda at some point. But some very, very interesting situations and all that uh, really good things to think about. So let's, let's go on to Fred in Alabama. Fred, appreciate you holding. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I have a problem with my eyes getting real gritty. Um, the eyelids get gritty, and 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 you know the corners of my eyes get real gritty. And I have real oily skin. I think I've got rosacea. I haven't been to the doctor, but you know my face breaks out, and my eyes get real gritty. Okay, I think you you almost told me the, the diagnosis before <laughs> you finished the question. That there's an old Dr. William Olser said if you listen to the patient long enough, they'll tell you what's wrong with them. Yeah, the rosacea is probably the issue. Have you I got it. have you got it been? In my eyes. Well, yeah, it 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 almost always involves the eye. And have you seen a physician or a dermatologist about this in the in recent past? No, I haven't. Yeah, that's probably where you need to start. You know, it it started breaking out. My skin started getting oily. Is rosacea real oily skin? Yes, oftentimes. It's kind of adult acne, by and large. And and the oil glands of the lid are frequently infected, and therefore they produce, uh, the oil they produce is kind of crummy, and it allows rapid evaporation of the tears, and yeah. you're, you're have dryness, and you'll make extra yeah. tears trying to compensate for that. And I I drink a lot, so I know that probably doesn't help. So I mean, right? And I tell you, it drives me out more. You probably need to see your medical doctor and and or a dermatologist. There's some yeah. good medications that can help control the rosacea, 
and there's some good things you can do for the eye. Uh, yeah. the, there's one medication in particular that we, is a first-line drug, is something called doxycycline or minocycline, yeah. any of the tetracyclines. And you'll probably need to have some eye medication. Uh, sometimes people will have at least a part of their treatment will involve steroids. Sometimes yeah. it will involve uh, something, a drug medication called Restasis, which is uh, um, for anti-inflammation as well. So is uh, this more or less salt? No. From from not having enough fluids in my system? Or? Well, uh, fluids never help, but that's probably not. The main problem is you, you've got rosacea, and that has led to you've got a lid infection in all likelihood that's caused most of your problems and symptoms. And so it won't be a, a quick fix. Most of the time, we will start somebody on a course of doxycycline for at least 90 days at a minimum, and sometimes people will take a maintenance dose of that. Now, the, the flip side of that is if, you, if you're taking doxycycline, you go out into the sun, you get sunburned pretty easily. So it's sort of a catch-22 in that regard. But you have to, you're going to have to make some adjustments, and the alcohol doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help any of this because it, it causes the uh, sweat glands sometimes to hypertrophy and um, become more infected and that sort of thing. So I think you need to start with your medical doctor and a dermatologist and probably an ophthalmologist to, to treat that. Well, thank you, Fred. And uh, Dr. McVeigh gave you some great suggestions there, so I hope that you can get all that done get that taken care of before it gets worse. Please do. Please do. So thank you, Dr. McVeigh, for being with us today. And after, we're going to wish you well. You're going to North Mississippi for a little while, so we'll yeah, miss you. thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be back. Well, actually, next week we're going to have a holiday, so we won't be here. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. We're funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from the members of the Foundation of Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Please join us, uh, well, next Monday for a rerun, and then I'll be back with you the next week for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. Underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. You can definitely tell that the atmosphere is a lot more unstable today. And consequently, we are going to see some scattered shower and thunderstorm activity as we go through this afternoon. Now, that's going to be true for Oxford probably by mid-afternoon. Those thunderstorms will billow up and temperatures.